church, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me once again this morning. And this morning, as we look at Mark's gospel, we'll be in the second book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, will be in Mark chapter 1 as we begin uh, a new message series, a new sermon series, the gospel of Mark, waking up to Jesus. Like an early morning alarm clock, Mark begins with a sudden announcement and seems to never slow down, signifying that through this story that he longs to tell, he invites us to action. Jesus is here. There's no time to waste. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, but when the set time had fully come, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Well, Mark wants us to know that the set time has come. Jesus is here. Come and see. He invites us through his writing to come and see this Jesus. Come and behold him. Come and see who he is and what he has done. Come and see the Savior and follow after him. So to that end, we read and study Mark's gospel together. Let me invite you to join me standing where you are for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the scriptures read this way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do ask you now to bring clarity to our lives, the reading and preaching, studying of your word by the power of your spirit, or guide us into all truth that our lives might be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray and ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Matthew begins uh, his gospel with a genealogy. Luke starts off by telling the birth story in gripping detail. John begins with a theology of creation and the incarnation. But Mark jumps right into 
Jesus' ministry full speed ahead. And all of these together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are known as Gospels. Because all of them revolve and communicate, revolve around and communicate the significance of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. They are about Him. And in his writing, Mark wants us to behold Jesus. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark wants us to know, I believe, that Jesus is the good news promised by God. Jesus is the good news promised by God. And he has come. He is here. You know, just two days ago, we witnessed, or many witnessed, the Uh, inauguration of a new president of the United States of America. So thousands upon thousands gathered in and around uh, the National Mall in Washington, D.C. on January 20th, 2017. Uh, Trump fans and Trump critics alike because they wanted to witness the transfer of power from one president to another. They knew that this day in history was noteworthy. I think Mark wants us to know that there was a time and a day that was far more noteworthy than that. It took place roughly 2,000 years ago in Palestine as the Son of God showed up on earth in the flesh. And Mark invites us to go on a journey with him to come and see this Jesus. To come and behold him, to learn from him, to submit to him, and ultimately to believe in him and to follow after him. Jesus is the good news promised by God. John Piper says it this way. He says, God is the gospel. God is the gospel. He goes on. He says, the best and final gift of the gospel is that we gain Christ. Hear that again. The best and final gift of the gospel, the message of salvation, is that we as believers gain Christ. Christ. Now Paul says the same thing, does he not? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, I consider everything else rubbish, trash. It's garbage that I may gain Christ. God is the gospel. Jesus is this good news promised by God. The beginning of the good news, gospel, about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written, In Isaiah the prophet. See Mark wants us to know right away. That Jesus is the son of God. That he is divine. And also that he is the Messiah. He is the one that has been. Has been anticipated by the Jews. Awaiting a savior. Awaiting a Messiah. Awaiting an anointed one. Sent from God to rescue them. And to reign for them. on, On their behalf. Mark wants us to know through that line, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, that, that even though the coming of this Messiah is momentous, this is not the beginning of something totally new. You see, the gospel is about Jesus. There can be no gospel in the biblical sense without Jesus. But even though Mark is writing from Rome, primarily to a Gentile audience who may not be familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures, 
I think he wants us to see Jesus in the scriptures, even in places that he may not be so explicitly mentioned. You see, right here at the beginning of his gospel, Mark quotes two Old Testament prophecies. He quotes Isaiah, 700 B.C., and he quotes Malachi, roughly 450 or so B.C., who both spoke of a messenger who would come preceding the ministry of the Messiah, And through his ministry, he would call people to repent and to return to God, preparing them to receive the Messiah from God. In essence, Mark says right here that through John the Baptist, this messenger has come. This one is here. He says, take notice. What God has been planning from ages past is now coming to fruition. It is unfolding just as God said it would. Jesus is here. Come and see him. So church, if, if you and I want to have a, a full and great appreciation for God and God's unfolding plan to save people, to be his people, to be set apart and experience abundant life and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, then we cannot simply ignore the Old Testament and jump straight to the new. What we can and should do, though, is begin to read the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures through the lens of of Jesus Christ. Looking for Jesus in the text, for just as blurred vision begins to find clarity with glasses, the right glasses, When we look at the scriptures through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we begin to make sense of all of the scriptures. We don't ignore their historical context or their cultural situation. We don't ignore their original setting and original meaning, but we begin to understand and interpret them through the lens of Jesus Christ. Church, let's deepen our love for the scriptures. Let's deepen our love for the scriptures, for we live in an increasingly biblically illiterate society. Yet, church, this is still the greatest book ever written. It's still the best-selling book of all time. It still is God's truth revealed through human personality for us today and forevermore. So like cattle chewing their cud, let's spend some time chewing on this book. Like an onion that can be peeled away layer upon layer, this book is multi-layered and multi-faceted, yet unified in purpose and story. It is inexhaustible. So let's dive into the Scriptures. Church, let's learn the Scriptures. Let's fall in love with the scriptures, the psalmist said it this way in Psalm 119, the longest chapter of the Bible, a chapter I think that is given to us to encourage us to, to love God's word so that we might more fully know him. Psalm 119, verse 97, oh, how I love your law. Oh, God, how I love your instruction, how I love your word. I meditate on it all day long. Friends, do you love the word of God? Let's love his word. Let's read his word. Let's listen to his word. Let's meditate on his word. Let's memorize his word. Let's pray his word. For in his word, we have far more than just 
general instructions for living. We have even more than just a reference book for tough questions. Through the Word, through the Scriptures, we get to know God. We learn what it's like to to know Him and to live for Him and to serve Him, to be in relationship with Him. And this one and only God who has made Himself known to us, who has revealed Himself through His written Word and through His Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, is a God who creates and who redeems. The God of the Scriptures is a God who creates and who redeems, and creation and redemption reveal His love. Church, creation and redemption reveal God's love. Remember the story of creation? In fact, turn with me there. Hold your place in Mark chapter 1. Turn to the beginning of the Bible. First book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Scripture starts this way. The Bible reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. There's three parties, three persons present in original creation. According to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God, verse 2, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God's Word, verse 3, and God said. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we get another window into who God is. Then God said, let us, plural, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now return back to Mark chapter 1. Because the same three parties, the same three persons who were present at creation were also present in Mark chapter 1, according to, to Mark, at at Jesus' baptism. Mark chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So the voice from heaven is the Father. Jesus is the Son, or the Word of God. John helps us make this connection in John chapter 1. And just as the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters at creation, Mark tells us that the Spirit of God hovered over Jesus, descending on Him like a dove here in Mark chapter 1. Creation and redemption reveal God's love. And in the words of Tim Keller, just as creation is a project of the triune God, so also is redemption a project of this same triune God. You see, I think Mark is making an intentional allusion here to creation, the creation account. There's several parallels here. And he wants us to know, as his readers, he wants us to know that the same God who created is now actively engaged in redeeming a lost and broken sinful people to himself through this Jesus Christ, this Son of God, the Messiah and Savior of, of the world. So why, why is this such a big deal? And this is why. Why do we even mention this this morning? And this is why. 
Because God did not create us simply because he was lonely or because he wanted companionship. You see, within the Godhead, within the Trinity, the God that we serve, one God in three persons, this mysterious relationship, God has enjoyed perfect harmony and perfect love and perfect relationship from eternity past. Consider this. Have you ever had strong feelings for uh, someone and then learned that that same someone also had feelings for you? Doesn't that feel good? The most attractive thing about someone else is that they, they actually like you, right? Well, this is what This is what God has been experiencing for all of eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loving each other perfectly, serving each other perfectly, honoring each other perfectly, glorifying each other perfectly. And and through Jesus, through the Word made flesh, through redemption, the story of redemption, God is inviting us into that kind of relationship with Him. He is inviting us to enjoy that kind of intimacy with Him. He is inviting us in to use the metaphor, the image that C.S. Lewis uses into the dance. He invites us to enjoy His love. Thus, friends, let's enjoy His love. Let's enjoy the love of God, the love that He shows us and reveals to us through creation and through redemption. In his classic book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer makes a distinction between knowing about God and actually knowing God. See, you can know a lot about God and not really enjoy God. But if you know God, he says, if you know Him, if you have a relationship with Him, then you enjoy Him. You will in, enjoy Him. Creation and redemption reveal God's love, a love that He desires us to know and to enjoy forever. David stated a similar truth this way in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3. He said, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. And beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. Because your love, God, is better than life itself. My lips will glorify you. Church, Mark invites us to come and see Jesus. To come and behold the King. To come and experience Him. To come and know Him. To enter into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But even so, He acknowledges that that relationship won't be all rosy. That just like any relationship in this life worth having, there will be ups and downs. There will be challenges. There will be hardships. And the reason is because there is an enemy intent on destroying our fellowship with God. Church, according to the Scriptures... Satan is real, and he strives to destroy our fellowship with God. Satan strives to destroy fellowship with God. After all, this is what he did from the beginning, is it not? The Garden of Eden comes to Adam and Eve, and he says, Did God really say? And in another parallel with Genesis 
Mark lets us know that Satan tried the same with Jesus Christ himself. Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Church, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Word of God made flesh, endured hardships and trials and testing and temptation and suffering for us that we might be reconciled to God through Him. But unlike Adam, Jesus was faithful. He was faithful in the wilderness and he was faithful in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, ultimately leading to the cross that he might willingly and freely lay down his life to fulfill the plans of God, plans to save a broken people. Friends, how is your fellowship with God? How is your fellowship with God? Are you one of God's? Are you enjoying him? Are you enjoying his love? Have you been redeemed? For Satan's tactics have not changed. He continues to strive to tear us from fellowship with God. He tries everything he can to drag us away through, through illness, through pride, through greed, through grieving, through lust, through pornography, through any and every avenue that he can, luring us to ask that very same question, did God really say? Friends, when life is challenging, as it will be, when life hurts, as it often does, when temptation comes knocking on your door, rest in God's presence. Rest in God's presence as the God who is with us. God of the Scriptures is a God who is with us, a God who never leaves us, a God who never forsakes us, a God who has come to us and who stays with us as His people. We're reminded of that time and time again in the Scriptures, but let me invite you to turn one more time in the Scriptures with me to a specific passage, the book of John, two books to the right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 14. Another place in the Scriptures where we see all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we, we look at this text, as we read it quickly, let me encourage you to listen for this. Listen for how the different persons of the Trinity, all three of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are with us, are with us, never leaving us, always helping us. John 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus is speaking. Speaking to his disciples, he said, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, verse 20, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. 
Verse 22, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, verse 23, hear this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Church, the God of the scriptures, the one and only God, the God who creates and the God who redeems is a God who is with us. Rest in his presence. His presence is with us always, strengthening us, guiding us that we might be faithful to him. Satan strives to destroy fellowship with God. God is calling us and he is with us. He is inviting us to remain faithful to him. So believers, remain faithful. Remain faithful to this God, for he was faithful in the wilderness, in the garden, on the cross. Jesus was faithful, obeying his father and submitting to the spirit, motivated by obedience and love. Love for God and love for you. And what the Son of God has, ex- has experienced in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity past, He invites us to enjoy even now. He has come to offer this love to you. So come and see. The King has come. The King has come. Turn to Him. Receive Him. Believe in him and follow him. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the message of scripture. We thank you that you are a God who has made yourself known. And in your great and sovereign plan, you are a God who chose to create and to create life and to create us all of us in your image and your likeness, ultimately that we might know you, that we might enjoy you forever. Father, I pray that we as a people gathered here and part of Meadowbrook Baptist Church this morning would be people who enjoy your love. Help us to enjoy your love today. Lord, help us to be led by you. Help us to, to have faith in Jesus and a desire to follow him. Lead us now as we respond to the truths of your word for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.